the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Inspiration. I can do anything. Education. Let's do this. And application. Oh boy, this is going to be good. Welcome to Like It Matters Radio. Keeping us out of the water hazard with some truth therapy. And teeing up solutions for today's big issues. Here's your life caddy, Mr. Scott B. Black. So welcome to the world of Mr. Black. Welcome to the world of Mr. Black. I am he, you are you, and the time is now for Like It Matters Radio. This is where we're living life like it matters. And today, I want to bring clarity. You know, ladies and gentlemen, if you look at God, the creator of the universe, uh, our creator, whenever God gives us choices, he only gives us two choices. Look it up. Light or darkness, blessing or curse, life or death. Narrow path or wide path, sheep or goats. He only gives us two options. Why? Because he is our manufacturer. It's kind of like if you have a product and you call up the manufacturer and have problems with it, that manufacturer knows how it works. They know the proclivities. They know what to stay away from. They know the warning signs. They know how to make it work best. They know how to maintain it. They know how to shut it down and destroy it. That's the same thing that our God knows. He is our creator. All things were created by God, all things were created for God, and all things were turned to God. So we got to understand there are forces of confusion and there are forces of clarity. There are things that cause confusion and there are things that create clarity. And you got to understand that when there's a void of understanding, when there's a void of clarity, there becomes confusion. And then we start putting in things that we shouldn't be putting in there because we got to fill in the gaps. And as a leader, our job is not to solve others' problems. I, my forte is leadership training. And, and if you're dependent on me to solve all your problems, then we're not running efficiently. We're not running effectively. I don't delegate. Uh, and if I do, people are afraid to step out. I delegate on chain. And so there, there comes even more confusion. So our job as a leader is not to make people dependent on us. Our job as a leader is not to solve other people's problems, but it is to remove confusion, to add clarity, to make sure people know the vision and the mission, and they'll know the why, and let people fill in the hows unless it's a structural issue. We've got to teach those that are around us how to act in congruence with their mission, with their vision, with their values, with their ethics. And part of that is our example. Part of that is the manipulation of a leader, and that's not a bad word. See, that's what we're going to talk about today, the meaning of words. Because the right word at the right time can change someone's life. And the wrong word at the right time, if someone allows it, will destroy them. Dr. J. Vernon McGee, one of my favorite pastors, been with the Lord, I think, 40 years now. One of his sayings, I love his pithy sayings. And he would say, we're all speaking the same language but we're all using a different dictionary. And we've got to understand that words are the petri dish of experience, that words are the amino acids of relationship, of communication, right? Communication is the foundation for all relationships. And the way we communicate through people is through our words, through our gestures, through our outward expressions, through our outward um, physiology, and then also 
the tonality, the timbre, the emotion, the rhythm, whatever you want to call it, that is in our voice. So you have the words. We have the ways the words are just delivered with the tonality, the timbre, the emotion. And then we have what people can see. Our emotions, our eye movements, our disappointment, our excitement, our moving forward, our shutting down. And so all communication basically falls in those three pieces, what we can see, what we can hear, and what we feel about what we're seeing and what we're hearing. And part of that can be instigated by someone else's anger. Someone has a lot of anger coming out of them. Unless you're a strong person, you kind of take on that anger. See, that's why, remember, as Dr. Viktor Frankl said, between the stimulus and the response, there is a space. And in that space is our power. It is our freedom. And today, I want to label this show, Pay Attention to the Man Behind the Curtain. The Man Behind the Curtain. If you don't know what I'm talking about, it's a reference to Alice in Wonderland. I'm sorry, not Alice in Wonderland. Uh, Wizard of Oz. Sorry, Dorothy. We're talking about Dorothy, not Alice. (laughs) Remember the story? Dorothy has a bad dream. She doesn't know it's a dream. Uh, And she finds herself in a a hurricane, a tornado. And all of a sudden, she winds up in this foreign land, this place called Oz. And she needs to get home. And on this journey called Oz, she comes with many obstacles, many problems, many dilemmas. And she's seeking the answer, the solution to her problems. And everywhere she goes, she's told the answer is the great Wizard of Oz. You must go to the Emerald City because the awesome and powerful Wizard of Oz can solve all your problems. He can cure the dilemma. He can not only get you home, he can protect you. That's our reference to God. And so what happens is on her journey, journey toward the wizard, toward Emerald City, uh, parenthetically probably towards God, she comes across many people in need. See, that is really living what we're supposed to live as a leader. See a need, meet a need. I don't care what your belief in God is. You have a mission. You have a ministry field. And what if that ministry field is whoever crosses your path? Unlike many Christians, I don't have a love for the lost. I have a love for those that God puts right in front of me. I believe the circle of influence and the circle of concern. And where those two come together, as Dr. Covey said, that's where we need to focus our attention. So as God breaks people into my path, right? and I see a need, I meet that need. Why? Because I have a circle of concern. I want to help hurting people. This person is in my path, and I know I can help them. So now they've moved into my circle of concern and my circle of influence. And so that is where I focus my attention. And this is what Dorothy did. As she's going along to her redemption, as she's going along to that Emerald City to get her problem solved, she comes across a lion. She comes across a scarecrow. She comes across a tin man. And she brings those people on board. She makes her journey their journey because they're in need. She saw a need and she meets a need. And so they go through all the travails of life, the ups and downs, the undulating line of life, right? Life is an undulating line. It has peaks and the valleys, it has highs and it has lows. That's why in the story of the Wizard of Oz, there's some dancing, there's some singing, there's some warm moments. But there's also flying monkeys and evil witches and dark forests and trouble and travails and trauma and drama and what we do in the undulating line really dictates how we're remembered remember dr king said don't judge me for my non-choices don't judge me for the color of my skin don't judge me for my family of origin don't judge me for the socioeconomic background i was put in those were not my choices 
But he said, judge me based on my choices because my character is a series of my choices. So I look forward to a day that my four kids live in a nation where they are not judged by their non-choices, but they were judged by their choices. And so, I mean, Dorothy found these people and winds up at her redemption. She winds up where she wanted to be. She's now in the great Emerald City. She's now in front of the great and mighty Oz. And there are her compadres with her, all in need. But the dog, you have to have the sense of a dog, man's best friend. The dog, Toto, realized something was up. And so he starts sniffing things out like a good leader does. And that nose, sensing what's going on, sensing what's going on behind the machine, behind the machinations, behind the curtain, finds itself in front of a curtain because it can hear noises come back there. And he starts tugging on the curtain and you start hearing this barking and growling. And then all of a sudden you hear that mighty voice, right? It says, pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. You know what it sounds like. It sounds like this. Pay no attention to that man behind the curtain. Yeah, you've heard that before. And ladies and gentlemen, today, I want to focus on what's behind the green curtain. There's a lot of things going at the unconscious level that we're not aware of. There's a lot of things going on that are causing us to act and respond in ways that don't serve us well. It was Dr. Viktor Frankl that said, between the stimulus and the response, there's a space. And in that space is our power. It is our freedom. Look at all the anger. Look at all the bitterness. Look at all the hatred. And part of it is because of the confusion. And what we've done now, we're making what's normal not normal. We're making what's not normal is normal. And we're redefining words. And the words are the petri dish for all experience. Words are the foundation. Remember when Jesus walked this planet, he said, I am the Alpha and Omega. That is the first letter of the Greek alphabet and the last letter. All those letters make up every single word. He is the word. And our words have power. So today on Like It Matters Radio, I'm going to pull back the veil. I'm going to pull back the curtain and suggest that we must pay attention to the man behind the curtain. I'm Black, and we'll be right back. Pay no attention to that man behind the curtain. Leadership Awakening impacts even the seasoned pros. Take a listen to these comments from Kevin, who recently attended Leadership Awakening. I've struggled with a lot of things. I've been in so many different trainings follow Tony Robbins, John Maxwell, all these great self-development gurus, but I have never went through a training as difficult and as intense as that 48 hours that we went through. What we went through was absolutely amazing, and I'd love to share it with as many people as I could. I kept being told on how intense this training was going to be, that it was going to be difficult. and I mean, I've walked on hot fire. I've broken arrows. I've walked on glass. I've done so many things. I thought, how hard could this be? Well, the number one thing that I gained from Leadership Awakening was another level of awareness. If you're ready to go to another level of awareness, go to likeitmatters.net. Just click on Schedule to register for the next Leadership Awakening class near you. That's likeitmatters.net. Sightseeing in Paris, at the Mall in Bloomington, or on horseback in Dallas. We're where you are. Listen to Freedom 1570 at odyssey.com or with the free Odyssey app. Get that Rack Shack attack, Rack Shack barbecue. To do you right, we take time for a barbecue flavor that will blow your mind. Get that Rack Shack attack, oh, Rack Shack barbecue. Make fresh daily care to you. Homemade sauces 
Hi, I'm Anthony Commerce with Commerce Water. Let us build you a long-lasting, high-efficiency water softener. If you contact us now, you'll get $400 off our new wet technology water softener. Do it right the first time. Contact Commerce.com. When I attended the Leadership Awakening workshop, I didn't know what to expect, but I was open. The tools taught at Leadership Awakening helped me discover things about myself that were holding me back from being all God created me to be. Providential? That word coins these life-changing classes because I now realize there are works God has already created for me to walk in, and these workshops helped me to see this more clearly. I received practical insights that I am already applying to be a more focused businesswoman, influential mom to my two teenagers, an eight-and-a-half-year-old son, and patient and passionate wife. I got rid of a lot of clutter in my head. BS, they call it, belief systems that were not serving me. If you want to know what it means to empower others instead of trying to control them, if you want to build a productive team in two days, if you want to press the reset button in your life and give yourself a fresh new beginning, then do yourself and your family a favor and attend the next Leadership Awakening. It's time the giant in you comes alive. Leadership Awakening is coming to a location near you. Details at likeitmatters.net. That's likeitmatters.net. Welcome back to Living Life Like It Matters on Like It Matters Radio. Why do we call on the hour of power? Because we're working on the one organ in our body that never has to deteriorate. And that is our brain. It has unlimited plasticity. But just like with every other organ, just every other muscle in your body, there is something called atrophy. If you don't use it, you will lose it. And so what I want to do on today's radio show, the man behind the curtain, is I want to bring your attention to the manipulation that's going on, to the programming. Pay no attention to that man behind the curtain. Uh, And this is what's so stunning, that some of you don't realize you're being programmed, you're being played, uh, you're being manipulated. There are forces in charge right now that want to pit you against each other, that want to make you angry, that want to make you hate Man, there are people in my life that are supposed to love me, that are supposed to protect me, that are supposed to uh, be my number one uh, cheerleading squad, be my number one protector. And, man, I hear from these people, this person, on a regular basis, how much they hate me. And, boy, it's really hard to really trust someone that when they get mad at you once a week, they tell you they hate you. And then a couple times during the week in between that, they tell you they love you. And everything they do shows the opposite of that. And so it gets confusing because we know what words mean. And one of the battles that's going on is the language. Remember, J. Vernon McGee said we're all speaking the same language, but we're using different dictionaries. And I want you to know, it's not necessarily nefarious uh, to remove a word from the English dictionary. Can I tell you uh, one word that's no longer available is stereotypical. Remember, we used to have this word stereotypical. Uh, and today it's all racism, right? Stereotypical, white men can't jump. Uh, black people aren't great swimmers. Um, there's weird stuff like that. Uh, black people have rhythm. Hispanic people love spicy foods. Uh, you know, stereotypical that certain groups of people like certain foods. Like there's Cuban food and there's Hispanic food. I love cilantro. I love peppers. I love to cook with uh, avocados, lime. You know, I I think in my past, I I never check out my past, but I think I might have a lot of Hispanic blood in me because uh, me amigos and I get along. I can cook a better meal than most uh, Hispanic mothers can. And so we used to call things stereotypical. Now they're all racist. We used to joke and laugh about our, our dissimilarities and our similarities. Now we're so evil. We're so hateful to each other. We're looking for a reason to hate somebody. 
But I got this article from wordgenius.com. It says, words removed from the dictionary we'd like to use again. And it says, every year, major dictionaries add new words to reflect our ever-changing language. In 2020 alone, over 500 words have already been added to the Oxford English Dictionary, including our personal fave, awesome sauce, which means something's extremely good. But what's less frequently reported on is that some words, after falling out of fashion, are actually cut from the dictionary. And here are some nearly extinct words. Interesting. Deliciate. It might look similar to the word delicate, but this obsolete term has more in common with delight since it refers to lighting oneself, particularly at a feast. A king. That's interesting. A-C-A-N-G. Trace back to the 13th century. This nearly ancient word means to lose one's self-control. We smell an awesome name for the under-the-radar rapper. A king. A bever. A B-E-V-E-R. Not beaver. Bever. The verb is right up there with quiver, which means to tremble or shake, as in she bevered with fear. Uh, Frigorific. That's interesting. Frigorific. Sitting under an AC vent and open freezer door and eating a popsicle popsicle too quickly are just a few examples of things that are frigorific or things that cause you to feel cold. Sheepsy wolvesy. You might already get the drift on this one. A wolf in sheep's clothing refers to someone who pretends to be innocent. This was an adjectival uh, method of applying that expression. That's interesting. Brabble. Mash up a little bit of brabble and a little bit of squabble, and you've got this funny word, which refers to a petty fight or tussle. Brabble. Choplog. Everyone has that one friend who adds one plus one and ends up with five. We have someone like that in our life. You might use this word, which is short term for chop logic, to make a nonsensical argument. How about super arrogant? Super arrogant. The old school verb is best applied to overachievers. Younker. If you thought the word youngster was something only your grandpa said, this synonymous word must belong to your great-grandparents. Younker. Gutling. In the days of medieval turkey legs, you'd call a hearty eater this less-than-flattering name, a gutling. Cohorts. Cohorts were a cabbage-like plant. However, the word also became synonymous with old news, thanks to a proverb that went, cohorts twice sodden. Isn't that interesting? A growlery, bullhead, snollygoster. It's probably the most fun thing to say on this list, even if it's not the nicest. A snollygoster is a shrewd, unprincipled person, and this term was often used to describe politicians. Throw that one down at your next town hall debate. A snollygoster. So, see, we have words that are taken out every day. But let me tell you what's really going on. We're redefining words. You know, we're taking things now that we're called normal and we're making them abnormal. I mean, to be patriotic and to believe in the founding fathers and their their vision, uh, to love your country, uh, is now uh, you're a white nationalist or you're a nationalist. And and you are the biggest threat to this country. Who would have thought patriotism? would become the biggest threat to our government under Joe Biden. And if you're a white Christian, Joe Biden says that you're the biggest threat. It's not a radical Islam. It's not nuclear. It's not even the the fake save the planet stuff. It is white Christians. And my brothers and sisters of color, a man, you know, the the Bible says that if you love the world, God, you don't have the love of God in you. And if you love God, then the world's going to hate you. So it makes sense why Christians would be considered the largest threat to our antichrist government that we have in place right now. But the question has to be, why white Christians? Why not all true followers of the God of the Bible?
because God knows that who our brother and sisters are. I got to be honest with you, I've never had an affinity for someone just because of the color of the skin. I don't look at Michael Phelps, who won eight gold medals and who happens to be Caucasian, and say, wow, look what Michael Phelps did for my people. You know who my people are? My people are, are not white people. My people are redeemed people. There are two races. They're not, there's not more than one race, if you look at it honestly. Well, there's one human race. Black people and white people are not of different races. They're of the human race. We can procreate together. That's a lie from the pit of hell. The two different races, there are redeemed people and non-redeemed. There are children of God and children of the devil. There are people who are on God's team and there are people who are on the other person's team. And why do I know that? Because the Bible is my standard. Jesus said it. When Jesus was in the house, I don't remember if it was Capernaum or wherever he was, he was basically telling people, inferring, if you will, implying, insinuating that he was God. And some people get riled up and some people fear that Jesus was going to right in the house that people are going to hurt Jesus for blasphemy. So unbeknownst to anybody else, this isn't biblical, but I believe this is what happened. Some people left the house and went and got Mary and James, Jesus' fleshly mother and fleshly brother, and said, hey, you got to come get Jesus. Get him out of here. Because, man, uh, he, he's stirring up things. People are going to kill him. He's claiming to be God. And so there comes a knock on the door. How do we know this? Because that's what the Bible says. The Bible says that someone came to Jesus and said, oh, Jesus, your mother and your brother are outside. And these are the words from he that came to walk in our flesh. He said, who is my mother? Who is my brother? But he or she who does the will of my father, that is my mother. That is my brother. And so what's going on right now is redefining words. You know, the biggest one I come to is racism. You know, racism, the ism there, defines the word. Racism is using someone's skin color, even though we're t- technically wrong, just like the prodigal son. You know what prodigal means? Excessive spending, uh, wasteful spending, uh, lavish spending. So that's why the story is called the prodigal son, because the son took his father's inheritances and wasted on prostitutes and alcohol and drugs and all that fun stuff that people think, well, I got to do this. That's why it's prodigal. But we've changed the meaning to mean someone who's a resistant, someone who walks away, someone who abandons. But that's not what it means. But yet we redefine words all the time that aren't proper. And that's how we confuse people. Remember, confusion is the number one weapon formed against us. Here's racism by definition. If I like you or don't like you because of the color of your skin, I'm a racist. If I want to hire you or not hire you because of the color of your skin, I'm a racist. If I want to share your bed or not share your bed because of the color of your skin, I'm a racist. Some people think that the black people can't be racist. Why not? Are they not human? Are they not children of God? Are they not? Do they not fall under the, the category of Romans 3.23? says all fall short of the glory of God. It doesn't say the melanin challenged. It doesn't say uh, just the people uh, out of Africa uh, are, are sin free. It says every single human being falls short of the glory of God. That every single human being needs a savior. That every single human being must forgive lest ye be forgiven. That every single human being is to do their best to let God love through them, agape love. And so if I hire you or don't hire you because of you're a man or a woman, I'm a sexist. If I hire you or don't hire you because of the age, I'm an ageist. If I hire you or don't hire you because I don't think you're able to do this job because of some impairment, I'm an ableist. 
So how, how, if I like you or don't like you, hire you or don't hire you, uh, hate you or don't hate you because of your skin color, I'm a racist. And all human beings have those prejudices. All human beings. Let's be honest. I've seen some black people that are far more racist than any white person would ever be around me because they know I never tolerate it. And so think about morals. Morals have been redefined as values. Character has been redefined as lifestyle. Principles have been redefined as preferences. Confession has been redefined as catharsis or liberation. You see what happens? We're all speaking the same language, but we're using different dictionaries. And ladies and gentlemen, as a debater, as someone who masters the language, the first thing you need to believe when you're in an argument, a debate, or a discussion is to make sure you have the proper definition of the same words. Because when you change the meaning of the words, you you change the structure of communication. And you know what that creates? Confusion. And this is being done intentionally. So that's why on today's show we want to talk about the man behind the curtain. I'm Black, and we'll be right back. Pay no attention to that man behind the curtain. Take a listen to these words about Like It Matters Leadership Awakening from a recent attendee. Leadership Awakening is like nothing else. It's incomparable to any other training that I've been through, and that's executive professional communication training to to how to hold a fork. It, the, the Leadership Awakening is a deep mental experience where I was forced to challenge my mind in a way that I've never been challenged before and it's there's nothing like it there's 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 no way to explain it with words you have to experience it leadership awakening change your heart change your mind change your life go to likeitmatters.net slash schedule for the next leadership awakening it's not only changing lives it's saving lives that's likeitmatters.net slash schedule International travel is open again. So now is the perfect time for that trip to Israel, the trip of a lifetime. A trip to the Holy Land will bring you face-to-face with one of the most fascinating countries on earth. More than just a vacation, this meaningful trip is your opportunity to enjoy the freedom to travel again. Walking the ancient streets of Jerusalem where Jesus walked, sailing the Sea of Galilee, and floating in the mineral-rich Dead Sea with its healing and rejuvenating power. Sebastian Gorka and Dinesh D'Souza, along with our trusted travel partner, Inspiration Cruises and Tours, personally invite you to experience Israel with them this November. To book your trip to Israel, log on to StandWithIsraelTour.com. That's StandWithIsraelTour.com. Then call 855-565-5519 to secure your spot. Call today, 855-565-5519. We are all in the construction business, constructing memories, relationships, new ideas, and a legacy that will outlive us. Life is best imagined as a construction project. Hey, can we get that back over here? At Like It Matters, we craft tools and teach you how to use them. Mr. Black has a bevy of tools to help you build your life into your dream. One of those tools is individual life counseling. The best analogy is a life caddy, because sometimes you just need another set of eyes. A second tool, books by Mr. Black, always opening up your mind. Third, workshops, where we teach people how they work and how to function at a higher level. 
And don't forget the daily radio show, Like It Matters, at 11 a.m. on Freedom 1570. Nice job. That's it for today. Wrap it up. Contact Mr. Black at mr.black at likeitmatters.net. Building a better you today. Likeitmatters.net. Helping people live their lives like they matter. That's mr.black at likeitmatters.net. Discover the tools to build your relationships, your vision, and your life. Welcome back to Living Life Like It Matters on Like It Matters Radio. Today, we're talking about the man behind the curtain. Pay no attention to that man behind the curtain. There are so many things going at the unconscious level that we're not aware of it, ladies and gentlemen. You know, we are unconscious creatures. It is positive that we only use 3 to 5% of our brain consciously. And everything else happens at the unconscious level. So we can be programmed. We can be nip- manipulated. Matter of fact, you have a reticular activating system, which is part of the unconscious brain, uh, and it's the brain's focal center. And depending on how you word things, depending on what your RAS focus on, you have the basal ganglia, which is the pattern center, the habit center of the unconscious brain. Its number one job is to get you into a habit, get you in a pattern as quick as possible so that you can take off your conscious focus on what you're doing and go back to autopilot. You know, we have filters. You know, we have something like 34 gigabytes of information that come in every day. Uh, we have 30 to 60,000 thoughts per day, and so we have to filter. We have to delete. We have to distort, uh, distort. We have to generalize. Otherwise, we'd be overwhelmed. Autism is those filters are shut off. And so we filter. That's why we have prejudices. We prejudge things. That's why everything we do or do not do is driven by a belief system. It makes it easier to run on autopilot. Remember, we get better gas mileage on the freeway than we do in the city. Because in the city, we're stopping, starting, stopping, starting, stopping, starting. But on the freeway, we just keep going. And that's what autopilot is versus being in the driver's seat. And so we're talking about we're all speaking the same language, but we're using different dictionaries. It's like we talk all the time about the word success. Success is a generalization. It falls in the category of what's called nominalization. A nominalization is a generalization, and what makes a nominalization a nominalization is you cannot put it in a wheelbarrow. So this, I love this quote on success. Success, to love, laugh often and love much, to win the respect of intelligent people and the affection of children. To earn the approbation of honest critics and endure the betrayal of false friends. To appreciate beauty. To find the best in others. To leave the world a bit better, whether by a healthy child, a garden patch, or redeemed social condition. To have played and laughed with enthusiasm. And to know even one life has breathed easier because you have lived. This is to truly have succeeded. And yet most people don't have success defined. And why does it matter? Because if you don't have something to find, how do you know if you're on course or off course? Right? That's the key. This word love. You know, we, we, I think love uh, is one of the mo- next to racism, is one of the most improperly defined words. You know, when the Bible talks about love, you know, when you read the word love in the Bible, there are actually four Greek words that are translated love. Agape, storge, phileo, and eros. Right? Eros is sexual love. It's not in the Bible. Phileo is brotherly love. Storge is familiar love. And agape is God's love, unconditional. That's the, that's the love that's referenced uh, in uh, Ecclesiastes 3. There's a time to this, a time to that, a time to that, right? Those are, uh, I shouldn't say, the, the different types of love. I'm sorry, it's not the Ecclesiastes 3. It's a first, uh, uh, first Corinthians 13, the love chapter. 
Love is patient. Love is kind. What he's talking about there, what God's talking about is agape love that we can't do on our own. Only God can do that. And so we got to realize is people feel love based on different things. Some people need to see love. Some people need to hear love. Some people need to feel love. Why? Because we're all a little bit different. And yet so many people go around, if you love me, you do this. If you love me, you do that. See, love has not been properly defined. You know, for a man, love is respect. For a woman, it could be attention. It could be time. It can be saying sorry. It can be giving her a hug and a kiss before you leave and when you get home. It's totally different. Unfortunately, I've been with a lot of women. And there are things I can do for one woman that they would feel loved and the other person would feel I don't love them at all. Yet I'm doing the same thing. So what's the difference? Nobody responds to reality. You got to get this. We respond to our map of reality. And because we are unconscious creatures, we only use 3 to 5% of our brain consciously. A lot of the other stuff are on autopilot. Remember, by the time a child is six years old, or actually five years old, Dr. Alfred Adler says the majority of their map of reality is in place. You know, the word vision. And by the way, we use love a lot, don't we? We love everything, right? I love my kitty cat. I love dessert. I love ice cream. I love my wife. I love my life. I love the Lord my God with all my heart, with all my strength, with all my spirit. You know, notice I'm using the same word. But I have different meanings. Those aren't all, all uh, agape. Some of those are storge. Some of those are phileo. Some of those are really just a like that I call a love. That's all it is. I'm just using the wrong word. And so many people get in fights as husband and wife and boyfriend and girlfriend or, you know, well, if you love me, you do this. Well, if you love me, you do that, right? Think about it. And that's why this word love and uh uh, one of my favorite books by John Piper, uh, it's called What Jesus Demands of the World. And I think it's 50, uh, 50 demands. And demand 28 is love your enemies. And in this chapter on discussion of love, he, he comes in, uh, come in midway, and here's what he said. He said, we live in a time when emotional offense or woundedness often becomes a criterion for deciding if someone has shown love. See, if a person can claim to have been hurt by what you say, then they say that you did not act in love. If, in other words, think about this. Love is not defined by the quality of the act and its motives now. It's been changed. We changed the dictionary. But by the subject, subjective response to others. Think about this. In this way relating, the wounded one has absolute authority. If they say you hurt them, then you cannot have acted lovingly. A lot of you know this from your marriages. Man, one of the toughest things I've ever done is work to get my wife to like me. Uh, I'll, I'll deal with love later, right? Uh, I'm a powerful, passionate man, and, and sometimes I'm focused too much and, and all that, and I can say I'm sorry and all that, but man, if she ever feels like I'm not loved, it doesn't matter what I'm doing. See, no one responds to reality. We respond to our map of reality. And what you got to realize is by definition, love is not defined by the response of the loved, and yet that's what it's become today. A person can be genuinely loved or feel hurt or offended or angered or retaliatory or numb without in any way diminishing the beauty and value of the act of love that hurt them. I mean, think about it. So all you got to look at is take a look at Jesus, right? The greatest love of all is for someone to lay down their life. And yet the cross has angered so many people. Why? He sacrificed. He gave his life. It's the greatest act of love. There is no greater love than for a man to lay down his life for another. Love is a verb. For God so loved the world, he did something about it. 
for a veteran so loves the world, they, they, they put their life on the line. For a law enforcement officer so loves their community and serving and justice that they put their life on the line. For a mother so loves their kids that they do whatever it takes to make sure those kids are provided for. For a father so loves his family that he works two and three jobs and has very little time for himself. Love is a verb. And uh, think about this. Jesus had the purest of love, but evidently, based on people's reaction, his love was so authentic, it needed few cushions, right? Think about this. Is owning to living with Jesus of the Gospels for, for 50 years, Piper said, that makes him so aware of how emotionally fragile and brittle, brittle we are. If Jesus were to speak to us the way he typically spoke on the Bible, walked this planet, we would be continually offended and hurt. The spirit of offense we're supposed to not keep a pound of flesh and keep a record wrong. And yet we live in a world now that they're wanting to th- make you think of the past. 1619, they make up an entire lie that slaves founded this country in 1619. And in 1776, the whole American Revolution was solely for the purpose to keep black people down, to keep slaves. Now, that's not true at all. But it doesn't matter what's true. There are people getting Pulitzer Prizes. There are people making millions of dollars a year paid by the highest universities to peddle these lies, to peddle this crap, to peddle this hatred. And a lot of you buy into it because you're guilty. You feel bad because you've looked down upon people in the past. But see, no one responds to reality. You respond to our map reality. Think about this. There, Jesus said they are plants who do not produce the fruit of faith because God has not planted them. They don't see my behavior as love because they are blind, not because I am unloving. That's what God said. Jesus said every plant that my heavenly father has not planted will be rooted up. Remember, his disciples said to him that the Pharisees were offended by all the stuff that he was saying. See, the point of this is that the genuineness of an act of love is not determined by the subjective feelings of the one being loved. I mean, Jesus used the words enemies. That would be offensive to some. And yet people say, oh, no, Jesus came to unite everybody. You might want to read the whole book. He said, I did not come to unite. I came to separate mother from brother, father from son. But yet we said a day that would be offensive. They'd call you a non-Christian. How dare you? Uh, right? And if you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Remember Matthew said that. Jesus seems to expect us to handle tough words like enemy mingled with tender family words like brother. It does not mean to say that love is oblivious to the world words it uses or the effects they may have on others. Love does care about blessing the loved one. It desires to bring the loved one out of pain and sorrow into a deeper experience of joy in God, now and forever. But what Piper is stressing is another side of the problem that seems unusually prevalent in our psychologized world. And he's simply drawing attention to the fact that feeling unloved is not the same as being unloved. Jesus modeled for us in his life the objectivity of love. It has real motives. It has real actions. And when they are loving, the response of the loved one does not change that fact. The good news for the lover, because it means that God is God and the loved one is not God. The judgment of the wounded loved one is not absolute. It might be right or it may be wrong, but it's not absolute. God is absolute. We give an account to him and he alone knows our hearts. The decisive thing about our love when we stand before God is not what others thought about it, but whether it was real. That some people may not like the way we loved is not decisive. Most people did not recognize Jesus' love in the end and still today do not. 
This is why you got to know who you are. You got to know why you're here. You got to test yourself. You got to question yourself. You got to see if you're still in the faith. You got to question your heart because Jesus was always about the heart. And you can't let other people define your motives and you can't let other people take your dictionary because we're all speaking the same language, but we seem to be using different dictionaries. And you need to know words matter because the right word at the right time will change someone's life. I'm Black and we'll be right back. Leadership Awakening impacts even the seasoned pros. Take a listen to these comments from Kevin, who recently attended Leadership Awakening. I've struggled with a lot of things. I've been in so many different trainings, followed Tony Robbins, John Maxwell, all these great self-development gurus, but I have never went through a training as difficult and as intense as that 48 hours that we went through. What we went through was absolutely amazing, and I'd love to share it with as many people as I could. I kept being told on how intense this training was going to be, that it was going to be difficult. And I mean, I've walked on hot fire. I've broken arrows. I've walked on glass. I've done so many things. I thought, how hard could this be? Well, the number one thing that I gained from Leadership Awakening was another level of awareness. If you're ready to go to another level of awareness, go to likeitmatters.net. Just click on Schedule to register for the next Leadership Awakening class near you. That's likeitmatters.net. Salmon fishing in Alaska, at an amusement park in Green Bay, or taking a stroll through Loring Park. We're where you are. Listen to Freedom 1570 at odyssey.com or with the free Odyssey app. Some of your favorite pastors and authors are bringing you their most popular devotionals free. Discover the joy and peace you can experience every day when you spend focused time in God's Word. Sign up for daily devotionals from Crosswalk.com and get inspiration and encouragement sent right to your inbox with devotionals for parenting, singles, women, and more. Crosswalk.com provides spiritual growth for every stage of life. Crosswalk.com is a division of Salem Media Group. The right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. BearingArms.com covers Second Amendment issues, self-defense, the latest gear, and more. That's BearingArms.com. Take a listen to this comparison of other training to Leadership Awakening. For probably two-thirds of my 30-year law enforcement career. I spent time in supervision and management, so I've been to a lot of leadership training. Been there, done that, got the t-shirt. I went to a leadership course in California where I worked, and it's an eight-month program. I went through that program. I went back later on as a facilitator, so I, I taught leadership. What we did in class was completely different than any other leadership program that I've been through. I mean, in 48 hours of leadership training in your program, it was just, it was dynamic. It was intense. It was powerful. You know, it was was amazing. It was amazing. Leadership Awakening. Change your heart. Change your mind. Change your life. Go to likeitmatters.net slash schedule for the next Leadership Awakening. Welcome back to Like It Matters Radio. Living life like it matters. Inspiration, education, and application. And this is all about power. Between the stimulus and the response, there's a space. And in that space is our power and our freedom. And the biggest impact on people today is the studying of social engineering. 
It really is now about human capacity. How do you move people? How do you manipulate people? How do you con people? And you need to know that's going on, the social sciences. There's been more study going on that people don't know about than anything else. Matter of fact, I'll get a perfect example. I got this article from Medium.com. Medium.com, June 13, 2019, uh, by Desmond Donovan. So societal engineering, propaganda, propaganda through redefinition of words. So as a quick recap, societal engineering is defined as the study of the creation and influence of human societies. You hearing this? It is a field of social science dealing with those social dynamics which operate on a large enough scale to affect entire populations. Think about the word liberal. What does it mean to you? What about the word Christian? You know, I work with this group called Common Ground, and I ba- we work to bridge the gap between Muslims uh, and Christians between Islam and Christianity. And so it's understanding Muslims, what do they believe, and helping Muslims understand Jesus. Because in the Quran, Isa al-Masir, Jesus the Messiah, is referenced 94 times. There are 94 ayats in the Quran. The Quran actually says that Jesus is on a station uh, of uh, with Muhammad, that Allah, uh, he is the breath of Allah. Uh, he is the seed of Allah. Uh, the virgin birth, 70% of the Quran is from the Bible. So the Bible, uh, Quran actually tells people that if they're not familiar with the signs to seek out people of the previous books, Christians. The Quran actually says that Christians can be a Muslim's best friend. But what's happened is when a Muslim thinks of a Christian, they think of people who worship multiple gods. They think of a person whose God had sex with a woman. They're thinking that we uh, slaughter things and drink blood because we're always talking about the blood. They believe that Jesus was a good man. Uh, They believe that Jesus didn't die on the cross. They believe that they were a substitutionary. So, you know, sometimes we've got to step in another person's map of reality. Uh, and the angel is the New Testament, so they're supposed to read the angel. Most of them have never seen an angel. Uh, most of them have never read the Quran, just like Christians don't read their Bible. So they don't know what they're talking about. They, the Bible's misquoted so much. So many things that people say are in the Bible aren't in the Bible. So many things that people quote in the Bible, especially non-believers, that they're misquoting it, misusing it. Just like Genesis 3, when all three times Satan quoted scripture, and he quoted it wrong. And each time if you look at it, Jesus rebutted with the word, and specifically the word from Deuteronomy. The number one reference book in the Old Testament by Jesus, because there was no New Testament, he is the New Testament, was the book of Deuteronomy. Only second that would be Psalms, and it's a, it's a, a competing. But he talked about Deuteronomy, the second law. So you got to realize what this guy is saying about controlling. This guy says in his article, I'm willing to bet that the answer would change a lot based on who I'm asking about these words. This is because definition of words change based on the ideas that we associate with them. The fact, this fact is heavily uh, used heavily in the social engineering world. See, this is being done consciously. You think it's not. It's being done consciously. Change a word's associations and you change a person's view on subjects that involve the word. It works like magic when used right. You've seen it, all these words, insurrection now. I actually read someone in comments that someone quoted that nine people died because of the actions that happened on January 6th. Nine people. Now, there's only Ashley Babbitt who was killed. Nobody else died that day because of activities at the riot. None of them did. 
I mean, yet we're lied to. We're told that one of the guy, the cop uh, that died the next day or that night, uh, he died from uh, someone hit him with a, a, a extinguisher. Or a, no, not all. He died from he had poor health. He was going to die no matter what happened. Somehow that was the, the I mean, it's just silly. Think about this. Now, white national. Now what they made Trump. I mean, there is uh, just yesterday a reporter said that the Republican Party is basically should be outlawed. They're just a bunch. Of, I mean, this is all they're talking about. So now you hear over and over and over that the Republican Party is, is useless. That and so this is word association that Trump is bad. Remember, when we can dehumanize somebody, when we can make someone evil, then it's OK to hurt evil people. Remember, that's what we did to black people. We made them less than human. Remember, that's what the Jews did. to. I mean, that's what Germans did. To the Jews made them less than human. By the way, that's what the Jews did to Gentiles in the Old Testament. They treat them as dogs, less than human. They wouldn't even eat with them. And again, it had nothing to do with skin color. It had to do with what they believed were the two races, God's children and then infidels, God's children and the world's children. So this is the point. This guy says that we read, and he actually used the word gay. Rather bad, take a look at the prime example of the legendary transformation of the word gay. As every giggling school child knows, gay was once an extremely appropriate and commonplace word that simply meant happy and carefree, with no sexual connotations whatsoever, no harsh penalties for its use. As judging from Google's algorithm, the word used to drop steadily until about 1990, where it sharply rose again, peaking at about 1998 at its highest level. It has since tapered off. What would explain such a drastic change in trends like this? It's because of how we redefine the word. Ask any 90s kid about the 90s, and they will tell you that the word was a major part of the common parlance. They'll also tell you that it had nothing whatsoever to do with actual gay people. As insulting as it might be to that group to their sexual orientation, had nothing to do. It meant to be happy, the gay 20s. But now we've turned it around, and we've turned it into something that you can't even say anymore because it's an offense. And so what, they, what he's talking about here is he's talking about how we can take a word and change the meaning. See, they change it now. Whoever used that word is hateful, is oppression of gay people. And some people just use it uh, flippantly in a word, not meaning anything bad about it at all, just being flippant. So you got to realize that words can change and redefine. And why does this matter? Because they all have presuppositions. You know, you got to realize how you work. We're unconscious creatures. We can be manipulated. And that's why there's a word out there. I don't know if you heard the word before. It's called mass formation. You might call it corporate brainwashing. And we can. And the guy's name, who really the psychologist who identified this, was Matthias Desmet. Professor Matthias Desmet is a clinical psychologist at Ghent University in Belgium. Doctor Desmet has a double degree. He also has a master's in statistics. Think about that. So he says mass formation is a hive mindset predicated on untruths and lies that respond to psychological needs. According to Desmond, four conditions must exist for this collective mental intoxication to occur. Number one, social isolation. Sorry, social isolation. Number two, lack of meaning in life. Number three, the presence of free-floating anxiety. And four, the presence of discontentness. Now you look at the pandemic. You look at this whole joke of, uh, uh, of the, uh, the, the pandemic, the COVID. It's a real virus, and if you've got a weak immune system, it kills you. Just like AIDS, autoimmune deficiency syndrome. You could die from a cold with AIDS because your immune system's compromised. And so these are four things that have to take place. Social isolation, look at COVID. 
lack of meaning in life. People lost it. Now they're just surviving. They're just working to get through COVID, get through the summer, get through the mask mandate, get through this, get through that. Presence of free-flowing anxiety, it's everywhere. Remember, 20 years ago, a study was done at University of Washington, and it identified and said that anger motivates people. And so in the political process, they said the more angry people are, the more bitter they are, the more likely they will do the things you want them to do. They'll stand in line for eight hours to vote. They'll picket. They'll riot. Uh, they'll knock on doors. They'll do everything. But you've got to make them angry. And so now we, we turn the entire opposition as evil. And now everybody that supported Trump is evil. Uh, everybody that believes that uh, this election was a fraudulent is evil. And by the way, you can look at uh, clear, clear politics. A whole bunch of articles, Washington Examiner, Washington Times back in April showed that Joe Biden got like 255,000 votes in certain key areas. And that difference, they're illegitimate. They're fraudulent votes. But those 255,000 votes basically secured him those key districts that allowed him to win. It wasn't that big of a difference on, on Trump. Remember, when we all went to bed, Trump was winning. He was going to be reelected. And then everything changed when they shut down the voting system. Next morning, all these votes came in for Biden. So you got to realize what's going on. We're being programmed. And this is mass formation. And what you got to realize is we're better than this, people. you got to realize you're pulling the strings. It's suggested, by the way, by Gustave Le Bon that the masses go through three main stages as part of what's considered to be a mass hypnosis. Submergence, a face characterized by losing individual identity. Remember, you now belong to groups. You're not an individual, remember? The, 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 the nail that sticks out the furthest gets hit the hardest. That is a belief system in all of Marxism. Then you got contagion, a phase characterized by having individual ideas and emotions greatly influenced by the dynamics of their surrounding masses, and then suggestions, the phase where the group have developed a shared unconscious which affects their decision and their feelings. You got to realize that this is going on. This is why I teach you how you work. This is why you got to learn how you create experience. This is why I want to give you back the power. Between the stimulus and the response, there's a space, and in that space is your power and your freedom. But you got to be aware of what's going on at the unconscious level. Beware of the man behind the curtain. Pay no attention to that man behind the curtain. You are under construction on the Like It Matters radio network. I am Mr. Black, helping you become more hopeful about your future, reminding you when you live your life like it matters, it does. Off school tuition? It's real. Avail Academy. Blaine or High School campus is offering one 50% off tuition for the upcoming school year for a new family. For more info, go to availacademy.org. Mention the voucher. Availacademy.org. Business owners and entrepreneurs, would you like to have $50,000 in corporate credit? How about getting your credit score over 750? For over 40 years, Ray Reynolds has helped customers get millions in credit. By using corporate credit, you can finance a business, buy real estate, and stock under a corporation. Take advantage of numerous tax write-offs only available to a corporation. Go to raisewebinar.com now to book a free webinar and get over 50K in corporate credit and get your credit score up to 750. When you attend, ask Ray about the $1,000 cash credit within days. Go to raisewebinar.com. That's raisewebinar.com. With the vast majority of media today leaning hard left, it can be tricky to find news that actually shares, let alone defends, a conservative viewpoint. Hotair.com provides analysis and commentary from conservative writers like Ed Morrissey. Hotair.com. 
Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.